0: Hello, welcome to Time of Death. This is episode 26. My name is Riss. And I'm Dee. And we are two nurses who like to talk true crime, uh, giving our unique perspectives. We like to focus on cases that feature a medical professional as a victim or perpetrator or cases that just have a heavy medical influence to them. So if you're new here, welcome. Buckle up. It's going to be a bumpy ride. Buckle your seatbelts, boys and girls. Thank you, Dee. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: (laughs) On a warm summer day in July 2002 in Texas, Clara got dressed in a blue silk blouse and creamy white pants and tied her hair back in a bow before leaving the house with her stepdaughter, Lindsay, in her beloved Mercedes Benz. Ultimately, she will go on to run over her adulterous husband several times. (laughs) Yikes resulting in his imminent death. Clara Suarez was born in Bogota, Colombia. She was born to a poor Catholic family, and growing up, Clara remembered that her father would dream of going to the United States, but he unfortunately died when she was only six years old. So she ended up being raised by her mother. She began studying dentistry in Colombia in the 80s, She, too, inherited that same dream of going to the U.S. where she believed the perfect world awaited for her. Mm -hmm. So she decided to finish her dentistry degree in the U.S. In 1990, she enrolled at University of Texas Houston Dental Branch Mm -hmm. and moved to Houston. In 1991, she earned her American Dental License. That same year, in 1991, she also entered a local beauty pageant, and she won Miss Columbia Houston. She was very beautiful. She had thick red hair. She had a little mole on her cheek. Very conventionally attractive. So she was in her early 30s at this time, and she began working at Castle Dental Center in Houston. And it was there that she met her future husband, David Harris. So David is an orthodontist. He graduated actually from the same program that Clara attended. He was described as being charming, handsome. He really liked the word golly, which I found for some reason. But he was really loved by especially young patients. He really had an affinity for working with kids. He was a Southern Christian man raised by a religious family, so... Clara was very interested in him, and on the other hand, he was very interested in her as well. Mm. So they had a very whirlwind romance. They went on a date shortly after a meeting, and the rest was history. On Valentine's Day in 1992, less than a year later, the two married and celebrated with their loved ones at the Nassau Bay Houston Hotel, which is David's favorite
1: hotel. Wait, I just want to say... You will be doing the Valentine's Day episode.
0: I know I will be. Oh, shoot. I'm already thinking, what should I do? I don't know. This would have actually been a good one to do. Yeah.
1: (laughs) I was just thinking that with the little romance, but yeah, little, what is the world? Fireworks. The fireworks. You know, I like it.
0: Well, I'll have to find one
1: similar. This case does sound very promising. It's going well. Yeah. It's a good one. It's a good one. It's a good one. You mean the little, the whole redhead comment makes me just, because you know how they say like gingers have no souls? Oh, God. <laughs>
0: <laughs> if you're a ginger listening, we don't really feel that way. Yes, we do. We know you have souls. No, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> it takes that a lot for redheads to get, you know, sedated, doesn't it?
1: Like with anesthesia they need. I freaking heard that. I have heard that, and I remember our brother, who shall remain nameless, because per his request, he has red in his beard. And we talked about this, because he had to go for a little procedure.
0: Did he require
1: more? No. Oh, He's a fake redhead. Well, he just has, like, a few strands in his facial hair. That's literally it. I like how she doesn't even specify what kind of facial hair it is. We cannot give any clues on who this is. Yeah, keep keep waiting then for anonymity. Eventually, we will slip up. (laughs) Probably has happened already. (laughs) If you review our previous episodes, he's gonna be like, "These girls have such big mouths on their stupid podcast." Yeah,
0: all those eighty followers are just so greedy for (sighs) our info. Yeah. Okay, so. They were in love, you know, they get married, they're celebrating. Uh, Clara once told a journalist who interviewed her following their success with their dental work, Mm -hmm. "Um, I found the best. I found the one God had reserved for me. So from the outside, they were like the perfect couple. She would keep photographs of the two of them in their office. She would update them often. She and David would talk on the phone multiple times a day and she would always end their phone call with "And I love you" before she hung up. So people were very, you know, impressed by their love. You know, they were it really left a big impact, not only on David and Clara, but the people around them. They really thought like, oh my God, they have like the perfect love story you know what i
1: mean i mean it really is it is appropriate that she would end up running him over with her car yeah there's so much that you don't know from in a relationship unless you're in it that's true so in 1993
0: clara ended up buying a dental practice and david started there as an orthodontist and they were known lovingly as dr clara and dr david they were very popular especially with children and families one of their employees went on to say that for clara it was always david 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 i used to tell people that i wished i could be able to love my husband in the same way that clara loved david mm. which for me is like i don't know if if i if like i was with someone and they said i wish i could love my wife the way that this person loves their wife i would be a little insulted you know what I mean? Like, mm. you're, you know, like, taking away from our love. You know what I mean? Anyway, maybe I'm just, like, a idealistic person.
1: No, I get it. I would be offended, too. I would be like, damn, so our love is not g- cutting it for you? I know. <laughs> See, and that's a red flag for me, too, because go, go over there and worry about your own relationship. Exactly. Don't come nosing your little nose into mine. Exactly. Good well well put, D. Thank you, Riss.
0: So anyway, they are acclimating a large clientele. They are just thriving. Clara was able to qualify for some loan programs as a Colombian immigrant and they go on to develop seven other practices and these they're making a lot of money from these practices. One of these practices made $35,000 a month. So Because of her ability to qualify for some loan programs as an immigrant, she owned 51% of their business. Mm -hmm. And so basically, like, she held a little more power than David held. So anyway, they are doing really well financially. The two moved to a mansion in Friendswood. And this mansion was worth more than half a million dollars at the time. And Clara ended up buying herself a silver Mercedes S-Class. And she had mentioned to David that she would have finally made it when she owned a Mercedes. So owning this car is like the epitome of success for Clara. She's like, okay, this is when I know that I will have achieved my height of success. Mm -hmm. So in 1998, they had twin boys named Brian and Bradley. And David also had a daughter, Lindsay, from his previous marriage. So he was married briefly to a woman who moved to Ohio after their marriage ended. And the two split up because uh, his ex-wife said that he was too attached to his career. It was not because of infidelity, supposedly. So Lindsay is a preteen. She's really good at playing the violin. She got along really well with Clara and David. She would spend the summers with them and then she'd spend the school year with her mom in Ohio. After the birth of their sons, Clara and David started drifting apart. So their Mm -hmm. relationship starts getting a bit rocky now. Mm -hmm. David was focused on expanding their practices and they began working in separate offices. So David is working primarily at the Space Center Orthodontics and so they're working like 50 miles from one another and So they didn't see each other much during the day especially, but Clara was the one primarily taking care of the children. Mm -hmm. In 2002, Clara was 44 years old at this time. Uh, Lindsay would come help out in their office. She was 16 years old in 2002, and she told David that she really wanted to become an orthodontist to follow into his footsteps. So, Lindsay's working at the office, and she starts picking up on something. She notices a little flirtation between David and a woman named Gail Bridges. Uh-oh. She recalls a time when he, when Gail bent over to pick something up in front of David, like, a few inches away from him, and it just seemed like a very... like
1: Intentional.
0: Like, intentional, like a sexual incident. Like it didn't feel like, oh, I'm just bending down to get these papers. It felt like a flirtation, like Mm -hmm. some kind of sexual underlining to the activity. Gail Bridges was a 39-year-old woman. She was a divorced mother of three. She was pretty. She was petite, stylish. She was very thin. She had brown eyes, a pixie cut, and was conventionally attractive as well. Gail was married to a man named Stephen Bridges, who was a state farm agent in Houston, and the two divorced two years prior. After their marriage ended, Gail moved to a smaller house and began looking for work. In August 2001, she was hired by Space Center Orthodontics. She really got along well with David, and, you know, people were picking up on it. There's something there. Uh oh. So people would notice he would kind of hang around the front desk to spend time with her. In February 2002, David asked Gail if she would have lunch with him at a restaurant called Perry's. And she agreed, and the two began having an affair a couple months later, like into a full-blown affair. They would meet at the Nassau Bay Hilton Hotel, the same hotel where David and Clara got married. So they are, you know, full bore going. They would go out for lunch every day. Like people around the office were noticing something isn't right here. Once they were seen fondling each other in the office, they just his co-workers, especially ones that he was close with, were really suspicious and just knew blatantly that something was going on.
1: But this is so bold on his part to do this at the company that his wife owns 51% of. Yeah. In early July 2002,
0: the Harris family took a vacation in Jamaica. And when he returned, some coworkers that he was especially close with ended up confronting him. Mm. And he admitted to the affair and he said, you know, I still love Clara. I don't want to end my marriage. But he did admit that he was emotionally involved with Gail. (laughs) So later that month, on July 16th, 2002, one of the employees named Diana pulled Clara over. She's like, okay, that's it. Like, I need to say something. Mm -hmm. And she told Clara that she thought David was having an affair. And they're at work at this time. Clara was enraged, but, you know, she tried playing it as cool as possible. The two ended up going out for drinks later that day, and Diana told her after being pressed by Clara, that it was Gail. So that night, Clara goes home. She gives David the cold shoulder. And David, at first, is a little thrown off, but then he kind of he caught on to what was going on. He's like, all right, I guess, so, you know, we have been getting a little bit bold, and she must know about it. So he decides, okay, I'm going to admit to everything. <laughs> also, don't forget, David's aware that Financially, his career will suffer Mm -hmm. if, you know, Clara ends up divorcing him. So the next morning, David confesses, and he begs Clara not to leave him. And Clara, of course, is pissed off, and Clara ends up slapping him across the face. And she was screaming at him. She's completely enraged. Clara ends up going to their office, and she grabbed Gail's arm and led her to a back room, and she ends up confronting her. And Gail is like, no, we are not having an affair. She's denying it. Clara's like, okay, I don't buy it at all. She fires her, confiscates her key, and Claire is out. Mm-hmm. So, over the next few days, Clara ends up calling Gail and just threatening her over the phone. So, you know, after finding out, Clara is obviously devastated. She stops eating, she lost 10 pounds. That night after she fired Gail, Clara asked Lindsay to go to the bookstore and buy her a book called Relationship Rescue. And this is by none other than Dr. Phil, Philip McGraw. Hmm. So Lindsay buys the book for her. Clara's just like devouring the book. She's taking notes. She's devising a plan. And she decides to arrange a meeting she decides to arrange a meeting with David's parents. and don't forget they're very religious. They're very, you know, against mm-hmm. adultery adultery. So they go to David's parents' house and also saw that Lindsay came along too, which must have been very awkward for Lindsay. <sighs> but Lindsay is like throughout this story she's involved, and especially because she saw what was going on in the workplace. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like she was very involved so. So messy. Yeah. So, Clara, they all go over there. David's parents are pissed off. Dad, his dad says, you know, David could be forgiven if he repents. So, the four of them end up praying together. Maybe the five of them, if Lindsay did go. And then, Clara and David go home, and they ended up having sex that night and then falling asleep. So, now, Clara decides, okay, like... I need to have a glow up. So she goes shopping at Victoria's Secret. She bought a gym membership. She hires a personal trainer. She starts going to a tanning salon. She put a deposit down for breast augmentation surgery and liposuction at the plastic surgeon's office who worked next door to Space Center Orthodontic. So she's like, all right, I'm just going to improve my look. So... Next Clara asks David to go out for dinner on a date and she really wanted to go to a piano bar but they're driving around and they can't find a piano bar and so they settle on a sports bar.
1: It's so sad too because she's also like it's a whole different dynamic when you like cheat in a shared workspace too because then you're like embarrassed and that strips all of herself. You have someone that's literally Miss Columbia, like a yeah. beautiful lady, successful, you know, an entrepreneur, yeah. intelligent,
0: and, hardworking. Yes.
1: And she had that all taken away from her. She felt like she had to fix herself yeah. and that that was the rationale. Like, oh, I'm just not attractive enough.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. It's very sad. And, you know, adultery just really can plummet someone's self esteem and their trust, you know what I mean? Like uh so I can understand why this was so difficult for her to grasp and she may have blamed herself, you know, mm-hmm. not if she didn't feel maybe attractive enough or like she was doing enough, but of course, just for listeners, we are not condoning uh the murder of David, but I can see <laughs> I can see where um Clara's pain came from. ended up going to a sports bar and Clara explains you know I need to know what happened so that we can move on we can fix this she really wants to put back that perfect life that she had Mm -hmm. so David just unloaded he's like okay you're you know I when I first met you I saw you as beautiful smart but like now I see you more as a business partner and he's explaining you know my needs are unfulfilled, and he also goes on to actually compare Clara and Gail.
1: Oh, my God. Big
0: big mistake. So he's like, okay, you know, Gail is pretty. She's smart, just like you. You're pretty and smart, too, but she's a good communicator. Like, you challenged me. Like, she really just kind of is more supportive. And he goes on to say, you know, also... Gail is more fit than you are, Clara. Like, (gasps) Clara, you've put on some weight, like, after the babies. So, uh, Clara ends up taking a pen and two cocktail napkins, and she labeled them with her name and Gail's name. And she's taking notes on everything. And David's just, like, I don't know if he, like... Totally obtuse. I don't, yeah, I don't know if he was just, like, not in touch with what was going on but he just kept going and he goes on to say me and Gail have sex three times a day and Clara says well you know what I'll double that and we can have sex six times a day so their date ends they go home Clara soon after goes to the office that they work in and she announces that she was retiring so that she can focus on her relationship and her family. And the day after that, Clara, David, and their sons went on a beach day in Galveston, Texas. And so the kids are playing and Clara and David are chatting. And David tells Clara he knows that he and, Dale, he and Gail needed to end things, but he said he needed to do in person. David calls Gail while Clara's right there and he arranges a meeting a few days later at Perry's on the 24th of July. So Claire is feeling optimistic, you know, things are starting to look up like he's ending his relationship with Gail. A couple days later on Monday, July 22nd, Clara began researching for a private investigator. So maybe not as Oof. optimistic and awful. <laughs> As She wanted to find some, like, assurance. She wanted to find out more info about Gail. So, there was a rumor that Gail's first marriage ended due to her having an affair with another woman. Uh, Stephen, her husband, had claimed that she and her best friend, Julie Knight, were lesbians and that they had been having an affair. And... Coincidentally, Julie's husband, Chuck, claimed the same thing. The two couples were good friends. They went to the same church. Their kids played together on the same sports teams. They spent a lot of time together, and Julie and Gail were best friends. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So Chuck had said that neighbors were asking why the two women spent so much time together. You know, they would go out for lunch a lot, they'd play tennis together, they'd visit each other at each other's houses, and Chuck said that his suspicions grew well. He saw the two hugging and, quote, fondling each other when the couples went out for dinner. Which, I don't know how you fondle, like, in front at of, <laughs> at dinner with your husband.
1: You know what I mean? Like Yeah, these, I just, all of the guys in this story just sound so freaking. Ick. Like, like her husband. Oh, they were fondling each other at dinner. Like, dude, they, they were probably giving each other a hug. Yeah. Well, it gets <laughs> better. So, so, Chuck and Steve
0: decide, you know, we're going to enlist Blue Moon Investigations, a PI company.
1: Oh, God, and help us. All. And
0: this PI company is run by a woman named Bobby Bacha. And they said, Bobby, can you follow the two women when they go shopping one day? Like, we're staying home with the
1: kids. Like, can you just
0: trail them and see what happens?
1: But Bobby, because you are a woman too, do not fall for their advances of the (laughs) lesbian couple. (laughs) Oh,
0: God. So Bobby mentions that Chuck had said, this is a quote, but I bet they will go to a hotel. Or they... (laughs) Just listen to this one. Or they just might pull over on the side of a highway to do their business.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Just get ready for this last sentence.
0: Gail has a boob job, and my wife will not be able to wait to touch those puppies. (laughs) So Bobby is like... So Bobby's like rolling her eyes.
1: She's like, okay.
0: So she decides, you know, okay, I'm going to head over to Julie's house to see how this plays out. So Bobby goes over to Julie's house to wait for the two women to come out. So Julie and Gail come out, they get in the car, and she follows them to the mall. And the two women are just trying on shoes, shopping around, (laughs) they're talking, they're laughing, like... Like, calm down, guys. Um, and, then, and then when they left the mall, they stopped by the drive-thru at McDonald's for sodas and then went home. So very eventful. Um The next day, Bobby goes over to Chuck and she tells him, you know, there's no evidence at all that the two were having an affair. And the only time they even got close to touching was when their heads moved like semi-close together in the car. <laughs>
1: So she resisted those puppies. I guess so. Must have. So Bobby
0: claims that Chuck asked her to build up that one part where they had gotten close to each other in the car. (laughs) And Chuck denies this. But he also denies that he called Gail's boobs puppies. But (laughs) just a side note. So... Bobby, after he asks her to do this, she says, you know, um, even if two women kiss or hug, it doesn't mean that they are sexually active with one another. (laughs) (laughs) And Chuck just hangs up the phone.
1: (laughs) I do not want to hear this, Bobby. (laughs) I can't make it up. I, I like between this guy convinced that my wife is going to end up fondling those boobs, those puppies. Yep. And then the other guy, honey, it's your fault that I cheated. Like I these these men are garbage, man. Like, what the yeah. hell? What was the nineties like?
0: Everybody really is garbage in this story. I'll tell you. You know what I mean?
1: That's crazy.
0: Okay, so this is ironic. This everybody uses Bobby in the story. So ironically, <laughs> that same year in summer nineteen ninety nine julie and gail show up to bobby's okay and julie wants chuck trail <laughs> <laughs> and i guess gail wanted stephen trailed but then you know changed her mind but anyway so julie's like okay i want you to trail my husband so bobby trails him and finds out that he is visiting a friend's house with another woman who shows up at the same time as him hmm. and this woman's name was Lori. And little
1: projection going on. Yeah, seriously.
0: And uh, so he and Lori actually ended up going on a trip while they were still married. So Julie and Gail are shocked. (laughs) Well, somewhat shocked. And um, she's like, all right, yeah, I guess that makes sense. He is having an affair. And also Lori knew Julie. They were friends with each other. I think they did Mm. like Lama's class or something together. So Julie and Gail's lawyer because the two are, you know, both couples are getting divorced, and also Lori and her husband are getting divorced too. Um, Their lawyer, Valerie Davenport, stated in court that these claims that, you know, Gail and Julie are both lesbians involved in an affair with one another were made in an attempt to distract from what was going on in their lives. Stephen, supposedly, was Claimed to have been abusing alcohol and pills, and Julie's husband was having an affair of his own. Both men denied both of these claims, however. So, anyway, everyone's getting divorced, rumors are spreading, people are assuming Gail's a lesbian, Julie's a lesbian, and Claire is, you know, finding all this out, and she said, you know, okay, I think it's impossible that Gail be attracted to David as a lesbian. Like she's a lesbian, she can't (laughs) like David. And as we know, you know, sexuality is a spectrum.
1: What happened to bisexual?
0: I know. <laughs> well, you should see the headlines later on. They're like,
1: bisexual love triangle. Oh, but Lord, i
0: Clara, again, just is, you know, fully thinking, okay, there's no way she's actually attracted to David. And she's like, okay, he must be after David's money. Like, we're financially mm. doing well. So the day before David and Gail's meeting, Clara hired Blue Moon Investigations, and Bobby didn't recognize Gail's name. I guess Clara used her full name, and she just didn't put two and two together. So Bobby assigns an assistant investigator. Her name is Lindsay Dubeck, and she is a criminal justice major, and she wants Lindsay to follow David to the restaurant and record the conversation he has with Gail. Mm. This is a fun fact too. David had treated Bobby's husband, Lucas, in the past. <laughs> Isn't that so interesting? Like yeah. everyone is tied to everyone in this case.
1: What's the law? There's like some law like you know like through whatever degree you have met every single person like through every person or whatever. It's some some wild stuff like something wild like that. I never heard of that.
0: So, on July twenty-fourth, two 2002, at 6 p.m., the investigator loses track of David at a traffic stop. And Clara's just crying. She grabs her car keys, and she grabs Lindsay, and she takes the Mercedes out. And she's headed to the restaurant where Gail and David are supposed to be meeting. But they weren't there. So... Clara goes to Gail's house and looking for David's car, and it's not there. They're not there either. And Clara's just distressed. She called the investigator, but the investigator's not answering. And then Clara had a hunch that they went to the Nassau Nassau Bay Hilton. So Clara and Lindsay head over there, and Lindsay is driving, And they can't find their cars at the hotel either.
1: Mm.
0: So Lindsay's trying to calm Clara down. And she says, you know, let's just go shopping. Let's figure everything out tomorrow. And Clara agrees. Lindsay was about to pull out of the parking lot when the investigator calls. And she tells Clara that they were at the hotel. So, Clara and Lindsay go inside, and they go to the front desk, and they demanded to know where David and Gail were. And the clerk says, "Uh, we have no guests under those names, because she asked for David and Gail's names. He says, no, like, we don't have anyone under those names. Side note, the clerk did see a couple come in, very affectionate couple, They gave a random name and paid cash, but he's like, okay, I'm definitely not telling Clara that these people Mm -hmm. came in. So Clara went out the back door of the hotel. She goes past the pool. Don't forget, she knows this hotel well. So she goes back past the pool to the employee parking lot, and she finds Gail's car. So she bends the windshield wipers of Gail's car and etches Adulterer on the side of her car with her car key. Mm -hmm. And then Clara goes back inside into the lobby and Clara decides, okay, I'm going to call David's phone. And surprisingly he answers. And Clara calmly tells David that one of their kids is sick and he needs to come home immediately. So he's like, okay, I'm coming now. And Clara and Lindsay are chilling in the lobby And she's just watching the elevator, waiting. And then Lindsay got Clara to go outside and wait in the parking lot instead of the lobby. At 8.30 p.m., Clara saw through the window that David and Gail were coming out of the elevator and they were holding hands. And Clara's just enraged. So she runs inside and Lindsay's trailing behind her and Clara's screaming, You, B-word. He's my husband and tore Gail's shirt off. She's knocking her down. She's punching her in the face over and over. And she uh, also declares this is David Harris and he's F-wording this woman right here. And then she grabs Gail's hair and slams her head into the marble floor of the hotel. And David's just kind of... Standing off to the side. He's not intervening. I don't know. Maybe he was in shock or something. But he did not intervene at
1: this time. Gail did not deserve this. she. (laughs) Gail did not deserve this. Yes, she was a POS for cheating and enabling David's uh, infidelities and whatever. But she did not deserve to have her face rocked. Yeah, she
0: got beat up. She got her head... Punched repeatedly and then slammed into the marble floor. David is a POS too because he sat by and watched her get beat up. Lindsay turns on her dad and she starts hitting him with her purse and she's screaming at him, I hate you, I hate you. See, this is my problem with this case. Another problem I have with this case is Lindsay should not have been involved with
1: any of this.
0: Any of this. It was
1: just so inappropriate for her to be involved. It was almost that Clara was weaponizing his daughter against her to hurt him. It gets worse, too. Yeah. So the
0: clerk intervenes. He's trying to separate Clara and Gail. And Clara turns on the clerk, and she starts punching him. And so more employees come in. They're trying to separate them. And Clara got away. She comes back over to Gail. (laughs) Like, this woman's just going to Gail again. She's knocking her to the ground, and she ends up biting her leg. She's screaming at her the whole time. Finally, David intervenes, and he pushes Clara off of Gail, and the clerk saw an opportunity to get David and Gail out, and other employees are also intervening here, and they bring Clara and Lindsay to their car, too. So they're like, okay, we're escorting you. You need to leave. And then the clerk is bringing David and Gail to Gail's car. So... Witnesses were saying that Gail was shaking. She was stumbling to her car. You know, her head just got bashed in, so she probably had, like, a concussion or oh, maybe yeah. even, like, a TBI. Who knows? But she was messed up. Mm-hmm. Um, and side note here, what the heck? Like, they're trying – like, I understand and I'm glad that they intervened, but, you know, she needs an ambulance. She needs to go to the hospital. Mm-hmm. They should have called the police Clara is just sitting in the car with Lindsay, and she started the car, and she, instead of leaving the hotel, sped toward Gail's car. Oof! And right now, before Clara's car gets there, the clerk is opening Gail's car door for her, and David is standing off to the side. Clara's driving there. She steps on the gas, And the clerk sees this and he pushes Gail into the car right before Clara ends up striking the corner of Gail's car. And the car grazes the clerk's hip and (sighs) hits David directly. And he goes flying. He goes flying 25 feet. Witnesses reported hearing Lindsay screaming and saw her open the door to try to get out. But... Before she could, Clara turned around and came back for more. So she ends up running David over three more times before she stopped. Finally, she stops the car and Lindsay gets out, runs over to the driver's side and punches Clara in the face. And then she goes to her dad and she is sobbing, dropping to the ground. This poor girl, like I can't imagine. Wow. Especially being in the car when your stepmom is killing your father. So Clara comes out of the car and witnesses are saying like she looks around kind of like, oh, I don't know what to do here. And then she goes over to David who was dying and she like cradled him in her arms and Clara said, look what you made me do. And I also saw reports that she was saying, I'm so sorry. I love you. Like this just I saw a lot of reports where it's like it just seemed so theatrical like this whole it's so like dramatic like it could be from a tv show or something Hmm. you know like especially that rage committing this you know horrible act and then this great wave of regret and remorse so david died of crush injuries his chest was asymmetrically crushed. He had multiple rib fractures, a collapsed left lung. Like, he was uh, completely destroyed. Clara claimed it was an accident. Which, I don't know how running over a person multiple times is an accident, but okay. Witnessed accounts contraindicated Clara's claim that it was a accident. Also, the Most of what went on was filmed by the investigator from Blue Moon Investigators because that's their job. Get it on the camera. And Bobby had always told her investigators and her assistants, you know, make sure you get that camera rolling and get the footage you need. So she had everything that transpired on her camera. Clara was released from jail to stand trial on a $30,000 bail She had dyed her hair dark brown and she wore a teal colored pantsuit and her wedding ring still sat in its place. She was
1: weeping throughout the trial. Well, like what about her kids? Like if you can't pull it together for your stepdaughter, that's one thing, but what about your freaking boys? I know. Like now they're gonna they not only lost their father, but they're not gonna have their mother. Mm -hmm. Like I know. She sounds like A sociopath herself. I have no idea, but I know, like, this was just barbaric, and
0: she was emotional, she was very hurt, but there's no excuse for that behavior at all. The jury, unsurprisingly, found her guilty, and she was convicted of murder. She was sentenced to 20 years in prison. In 2005, Oprah interviewed her while she was in prison, and... Clara still held to her story that it was an accident. Clara said that when she was in the lot with Lindsay, she realized David and Gail drove in together. And she said she decided that she needed to stop the car from taking him home. And she drove over to Gail's car and at the last second decided to move to the side to avoid hitting the car head on and was expecting to be stopped by the, you know, like um in a parking space, you have like the Kirby part. Mm-hmm. She said she expected to be stopped by that. But it didn't. And she didn't realize that she had hit David until it was over, which I don't buy for a second because you hit him. You ran him over back and forth multiple times. Didn't realize it wasn't going to stop you three times. Yeah. So Lindsay ended up filing a wrongful death lawsuit against Clara. She was given $2 million from David's estate and Brian and Bradley were also given money as well. Lindsay also sued the Nassau Bay Hilton Hotel and Clara's private investigator for their roles, and they settled out in court. Clara applied for parole four times, and it was rejected each time. But in 2018, after 15 years, she was released for good behavior, and she ended up returning to Houston. She was banned from practicing dentistry. Her sons are now fully grown and she's out. But that's about it for Clara's story. That's just like everyone in the story, except of course the kids and Lindsay, just, you know, never is adultery acceptable. But mm-hmm. murder, you know, just uh, uh, goes way, way too far.
1: Why, you know what, you mad at someone, they cheated on you, burn their stuff. Burn their stuff, that's all you have to do. Key their car, slash their tires, do something, but to, and you know, granted all that stuff is illegal, I'm not giving anyone permission to do something illegal, but it's a hell of a less destructive than taking a life. And consider the impact that
0: these actions have on your children, not only... You know, the adultery, but the murder. Especially, like, you've traumatized these poor kids. Especially Lindsay.
1: You know what I mean?
0: You've completely traumatized them. But,
1: anyway, do you have anything to add? No, um, I just looked her up. Beautiful young lady who, you know, if not for any other reason, if you can't pull it together for your kids, you know, you just wasted your life. Yeah. You know, you if you're not if you don't give a crap about your kids, it's terrible. Yes, but you can't pull it together for them. Pull it together for yourself.
0: Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's call it. The time is nineteen fifty five. That is seven fifty five p.m. for those of you who do not use military time. And maybe it's time to start learning. You just add the number. So let's say seven p.m. You add
1: the that number to twelve. Mm-hmm don't infantilize them. They can google it. Or just google it. That's fair. <laughs> um, thank you guys for tuning in. Risk great case. Thank always you. a pleasure. You leave me with nightmares and uh I'm going to be chasing a silver shiny corvette in my dreams. Or a Mercedes Benz. Mer- Mercedes Benz in my dreams. All
0: right, fair enough. <laughs> and that's we'll, what my goal is. To give you nightmares. You always do.
1: Good. Even Good. when we're outside of the podcast. Okay, that's for <laughs>
0: All right, well, everyone, have a good night. Good night, world.
1: Yes. Keep your
0: cool. Remember to keep your cool. Yep. All right, everyone, good night. Good night, sweet dreams. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.